All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Check when the puck comes right to Pedersen who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments no. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in at Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. (laughs) 
Welcome to the Canucks Conversation Show. We are proudly brought to you on our Fridays by our great folks at Zephyr Epic, by the way. Zephyr Epic, the great folks there, over there. Get your hockey cards, get your magic cards, get your hockey cards, get everything there. Use our promo code HockeySeason at Zephyr Epic. You can use it. Oh, look at these beautiful Pokemon cards. I got another one today, a Pidgeot Harm. I don't know if you saw this yesterday on the show. Pokeball. Oh, hell Got yeah. Got myself a Pokeball. I showed, you, I showed you the Luongo thing. Had a good day at Value Village the other day, which I talked about uh, yesterday on the show. But it's Friday. Friday's brought to you by Zephyr Epic, as I mentioned. They're the people who pay the bill for Harmon Dial, the money man, in the building. Harm, how you doing today on a Friday, man? It's the first time in the new year, right? I haven't seen you since. Yeah, it's um, it's been re- really refreshing. I took the last week of December off. And... Uh, and I'm excited. I'm I'm raring to get back at it. It was funny the first game back against the Islanders. I was like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, here we go again. New Year, same team. But um, it was, I mean, it's funny. I'm at a point now in the Canucks season where I'm just going to take. I'm going to take a win-win approach. Hmm. If they lose and it's a terrible game, I'm going to be like, great. That's great for the tank. If they win, I'm just going to enjoy the positive parts about that victory and just and just relish in the fact that they didn't get dominated and it's not a depressing environment. It's that's a good uh, is that a new year's resolution for you like don't ride the the roller coaster that is a Canuck season? I don't know if it's a new year's resolution because I kind of gave up on I don't want to say gave up. I di- I didn't have a high belief in this team's mm. playoff odds as soon as they went 0-5 like off that initial road trip. But it is a way for me to consciously frame it this way, so that I don't, um, so that I'm always, always feeling great. So I'm feeling great. I felt great after the Islanders win because that was good for the tank. I felt great after that Avs game because uh, of the Kuzmenko show. Mm-hmm. That was a blast, and it's a good. I, I don't think you know the titles of these shows coming into them. I don't think you're doing the prep like no. I am. You're well, you do about the same amount of prep as quads, uh, which I, actually you probably do more because we will be talking about one of your articles that you just dropped uh, today. So we'll chat about that in a little bit. But today's episode's title name is "Riding with Canucks Positivity Right into the Weekend." Oh hell yeah, that's what we're doing. It's and Friday, I can, I can hear it in your voice, Harm. Yeah, you you get to come in here on the Friday. It's good. Quads, obviously, he's back at home kicking up, counting his money, but. Uh, we're excited to get you here for Friday and excited to talk about the game last night. We don't do this often. This isn't a post-game show. This is a show Monday to Friday that we talk about the Vancouver Canucks. But damn it, I want to talk about the Canucks game last night because it was fun. It was a very fun game, like through and through from the top. And you can see it on our ticker down there. It's the Kismank show. Like, that's what it was last night. It was excellent. But first couple of things I want to touch on before we get into the game too much. Elias Pettersson named to the All-Star game. Any surprise there? We heard that just before the game. No, he's been their best best player uh, far and away. I know Bo Horvat's top five in the league in goals, but when you consider Pedersen's even strength impact and the fact that he's on pace for 105-plus points yeah. without having even scored a power play goal, he's a decoy on that first unit. So the fact that he's producing at an elite clip in spite of really just being a decoy on the first unit is mightily impressive. I think it speaks to his even strength dominance, and I think he was absolutely the correct uh, all-star choice. Yeah, I'm with you there at that point. I think... Listen, wouldn't surprise anyone to see Bo Horvat voted in. You mentioned a top five in goals right now, kind of battling with the taste. I've been Thompsons. seeing, I've been seeing uh, the second man in because they've introduced the the Twitter voting and they're getting the fans yep. into it now. I've been seeing on Reddit that uh, Canucks fans are trying to get a little campaign going for Luke Shan. I saw, I saw a Stillman campaign going on. on okay, Reddit. stop it. Well, that's why when you said Reddit, <laughs> I was like, you're going down the Stillman road, aren't you? But, no, uh, I well. 
That would boost Shen's value, eh, going into the trade deadline? Yeah. Well, I'll, honestly, not bad. Oh, mm, that That's a 40 chess take. Ooh. Juice his trade value. Make him an all-star. He's I an, think he's an all-star top four defense, but he's worth two sec- two first-round picks now. That's what I'm talking about. I'll tell Stefan that he's worth two now. <laughs> uh, let's get to it. 4-2 win over the Avalanche on home ice. It was one of the better. Like, I, I think of, listen, the Seattle game was a lot of fun. Pedersen stole the show that night. Obviously, five points and then gets the shootout winner. That had to be one of the, that's still to me the best game of the season of course, to be yeah. in the building for. Last night was up there. And there was a good stat from Jeff Patterson last night on Rinkwad's post-game show. Uh, this is the first win of the season where the Canucks have won a game without a goal from Bo Horvat or Elias Pettersson. I found Pretty that super blowing. interesting. That uh, And good good shout out to Jeff there uh, for finding that stat. Were you kind of blown away? Here I was definitely surprised. I saw the tweet last night mm-hmm. and I was like, wow. Considering we're almost halfway through the season, I think it speaks and to... Sorry, I, I was said on... like That's not just on home ice. This is like the whole season. I know. That, I, like, I, I was talking that's about home incredible. ice. This is the whole season. Home and away just wins this season. I, yeah, it's it's a wild stat. Yeah, and when it came to Kuzmenko, I think we're seeing a mid... Sort of like in-season, mid-season evolution in him where he's been consistent with his production throughout. Mm. But watching him play... I think we're seeing him evolve from when he started the season and I thought he was more of a complementary top six winger to now he can dynamically drive the bus and create offense independently on his own. And he's we're seeing so many more elements of, I think early in the season he was more relying on his positioning and being able to get open and he was the beneficiary of... Pedersen, for example, drawing a ton of defenders and he's he's just capitalizing on the open space that his right. teammates creating for him. Whereas I think now Kuzmenko, it doesn't matter what line he plays on. It doesn't matter whether he's playing with Pedersen or not. It doesn't matter if he's playing on the first unit or not. And that's the big thing is he went from the net front position where he's playing with four other guys in Hughes, Miller, Horvat, and Pedersen that all the defenders are drawn to him. So a lot of his goals are just happens. A lot of his goals are just everybody else is paying attention to other players and nobody's paying attention to Kuzmenko. Whereas now, you look at his goal playing the flank on the second power play unit mm-hmm. and those sweet moves in tight, electric hands to be able to get it on the backhand and beat Georgiev that way. And we're seeing him learn, I think, become more of a dynamic playmaker even. And he's just becoming more and more confident with each game. I think I, I, I'm i seeing him definitely improve in, in how he's protecting the puck. And he's just independently able to make plays on his own a lot more. And I think that there, there's been such a growth in his ability as uh, a play driver on his own right. this season. Yeah, I mean, that, that play he made last night was a perfect example. That little assist between the legs, like just a beautiful play. And I was... I was telling you before this, I'm writing an article. As much as we're going to praise Kuzmenko and as much as I love watching him play every night, I'll talk about this more on Monday because I think we're going to spend a whole segment on it, but the trade value is going to be ridiculous for Kuzmenko at the deadline just from from the years past. So I'm in that camp, unfortunately, as much as I love Kuzmenko and like him here. I just don't think the time is right. Uh, but we'll, let's let's keep it on a positive note yeah. <laughs> with the, with the uh, Kuzmenko uh, talk right now. I did want to bring up one thing that I found very interesting when I was writing this article, though, was you talked about Patterson and Kuzmenko, and listen, we've seen the chemistry all season long between the two players. The regression of pretty interesting stats, like, you know, Corsi, 
ex, uh, expected goals. And the mo- the one that had the biggest regression was the control of high danger shot attempts and high danger goals. There's a bigger drop for Pedersen than there is for Kuzmenko when they're not playing with each other. So like that could be just like the way the lines are being formatted, whoever Pedersen's playing with, but like Pedersen takes a bigger drop when he's away from Kuzmenko than Kuzmenko takes a drop when he's away from Pedersen. And I found that pretty interesting because I thought that like Pedersen would be the guy who lifts up Kuzmenko, but like to a certain degree, if you look at it from certain ways of looking at the stats and kind of manipulating what you see, Kuzmenko's raising up Pedersen quite a bit as well. That's what it felt like. Yeah, I don't know if I necessarily agree with the numbers that way where Kuzmenko's been more of the driver than Pedersen. Right. But I definitely, like he shattered the narrative anyone could have had after the first 20 games or whatever. I mean, I I even was wondering like, okay, he's off to this terrific start and we know he's a top six winger. But I, I, I was curious of, okay, what would he look like without Pedersen? And he shattered any narrative of, He's just a product of Pedersen because right. it's so clear that he's legitimately lifting Pedersen's game as well and that he's been by far the best fit there. We've always said this about Pedersen for a long time, and I think this was something that was talked about probably from like the first 10 games when Pedersen came into the NHL was like even when he was playing with Goldobin and Erickson in those first 20 games of his NHL career, Goldobin was doing well because he was smart offensively. Like that, that was how that was like something they obviously weren't catching on to Pedersen yet. But when you put a smart offensive player with Pedersen who thinks the game in the way that I like to think of it as like the new age era of offense of I trust in my shot. The stick does incredible work right now in 2022 for 2023 now compared to what it did in, you know, early 2000s. You have to trust your shot and you have to trust knowing the areas on the ice where you're going to be able to get a shot that you're confident in to beat a goaltender with. And when you're playing with Pedersen, if you're smart enough to find those spots, and for Kuzmenko, the interesting thing is like the spots are right around the crease, which is kind of surprising, right? Like a lot of players, you know, having success, looking at the lot of line and their success, they didn't score a ton of goals from in tight. They still were like, you know, there were there were players who were scoring from distance. Like you watch the distance from a lot of those goals, just looking at shot charts from the lotto line, and it was deep. It was not a lot of stuff real close to net because Menko's all around the net at five on five at power play. That surprised me a ton because I knew he was going to come in and be a good passer around the net. Like he, I don't know, like probably half of his assists felt like they were on the power play and from like behind the net in the KHL. So I was like, okay, hey, that's where he's going to have success. I didn't think it was going to be about controlling the crease and not like a physical way. But it's not like he's getting pushed out of there either. But it's not like physically dominating in the crease. It's intelligence of knowing where your stick needs to be. And that's, to me, been his most impressive trade at the NHL. Yeah, when he arrived in training camp, I figured right off the bat that with his shot and how yeah. he how how direct he was at, um, at sort of attacking and the way that he was playing off of Pedersen, even, even in camp, I figured, okay, he's definitely going to be more of the finisher on this line. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I didn't exactly picture it to be him sort of owning and dominating in the inner slot because it's it's really freaking hard to find that um, to to sort of dominate in there in that area because you see a guy like Horvat excelling there, but for him it's like okay he's built for that physically right he can win a lot of those net front battles he is so good with his tips and deflections and, yep. and being able to out-muscle guys on rebounds and win body position, box guys out. Um, Horvat's almost kind of like 
an an NBA big man who just wins a lot of offensive boards. Yeah. Whereas Kuzmenko, there's there's something mag- magical about yeah. the it's like way his footwork in the high post is something that's compared <laughs> to like a different like a center. He's he's one of those or, stretch or, stretch or, fours. You know? Yeah. Or like or or to throw a different al- analogy, it's like maybe he's got the Harry Potter invis- invisibility cloak. Oh. I like that too. You know, like just I, I don't goaltenders can't see him. Go, defenders can't defense. see him. I I don't know what it is. It's he's never tied up. I don't know why he's never tied up. I don't I don't understand <laughs> it. I don't know what Voodoo Kuzmenko mm. has going for him right now, but it shocks me. I'm like, how is this guy open all the time in front of uh, in front of the net? Cool. And uh, even on um, his uh, his second goal, which uh, which tied the game, you had the slick one touch pass. And then to sort of see, and that sort of started the play up ice, helped Pedersen enter the zone, enabled Pedersen to 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 draw defenders, and then Kuzmenko, where is he? He's he's back right by the front of the net, jamming the puck home. Mm-hmm. Incredible play up to this point in the season. I think I mentioned it before: seventeen goals, seventeen assists. Uh, we do have the quote that I want to bring up. Uh, we got the audio here. I'll get to Aaron to get that all set here. Him talking about the assist was pretty funny. That's the other part. We haven't really mentioned it, but the, the, how charismatic he is, how much fun he is in the media to deal with. Uh, here's the audio of Kuzmenko talking about the play yesterday, as well as uh, I also asked a question about him giving a stick away to a fan. So here's the audio from that. You set that one up with the pass between your legs. Yes, I like it. I, it's uh, really, for me, I like it no goal. I like it pass. Because as I score, I say, PD, PD, you see my pass? Andre, <laughs> <laughs> before the game, you gave a stick away to the fan. What did the sign say? Oh, it was, uh, I like it. Is uh, this uh, people and uh, rush words, cozy uh, uh, please sticks, is my mother happy birthday? I, why not? Okay, okay. I like it. Sounds <laughs> like. Just incredible. I mean, so it's, wholesome. It was it was interesting because it felt like, and maybe you felt the same way about this. It felt like I don't know if some like somebody said something to him or just whatever it was for for like a month lull there. We never got Kuzmenko, and then that one time we got him with Pod Colson, right? And it yeah. was like, you know, that wasn't great either. He was talking through, but Kuzmenko came out yesterday, big smile on his face, wanted to talk, uh, and really gave the effort and did a lot better. Like there's a struggle in, at training camp quite a bit. Uh, and I was at fault to that because sometimes I talk a little too fast. So I made sure to slow down my questions a little bit. But he, it, it was great to see. And, uh, yeah, give him a stick to the uh, the kid for, for that mother. What a great uh, little birthday gift. Yeah, he's he's like also – it feels like he's just the naive, innocent, fresh – presence right like he he's right. not jaded through years of yeah through years of suffering on this uh on this canucks team and it's just like he comes in and he just you know he loves playing in the nhl he loves living in vancouver as opposed to the joys in edmonton and um he loves scoring goals playing with Pedersen, and he's just soaking that all in and because he hasn't been through uh been through all that previous pain. It's just he's got no weight on his shoulders. He's got nothing dragging it. No dragging baggage, down. man. No bad days. Yeah. No, never any bad days for Andre Kuzmenko. Yeah, he's a blast to have. Uh, we'll see what the future holds for Kuzmenko. I also want to quickly mention Appar- off the top. Oh, one more yeah. thing. Um, it's also funny that apparently his uh, his water bottles in practice. Yeah, hot water only. So weird. <laughs> you and I were you and I were sitting together in the yeah. locker room when they told us that, and I remember thinking, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. It's like 
kettle hot water. Yeah. Like hot water. Someone has to like go out and keep boiling water yeah, to make the, sure that. They told us they had to, they couldn't, it wasn't just like a boiling water at the start of practice. It was like, no, it needs to be refilled. It needs to be. Yeah. That was wild. That's uh, built different. Very different. Uh, but that line ended up starting the game, matching up against the McKinnon Rantanen line played, I'd say more than around half the game against them. And then it, yeah. it was kind of interesting to watch Boudreaux go with the fourth line. Uh, for a matchup, definitely in the third period. I think there were some times in the second period when we started to see that matchup a little mm-hmm. bit, but uh, it was interesting. And I think a lot of people praise Curtis Lazar for his game last night. The effort level was huge. They obviously throwing the big hit uh, to knock the, was it Devon Taves yeah, that he knocked into the bench? Uh, big hit there. Three hits, three blocks in the first period. So he had a, a great night. I want to bring up, um, I don't think Lazar made the cut for these dog ratings, but we'll see. Uh, let's pull up the dog ratings here from last night because Will Lockwood was another guy I wanted to highlight. Oh, Lazar was, 118. But Will Lockwood set a single-game record with a 181.69 dog rating. Incredibly nice game for Will Lockwood last night. I think it was eight hits in something like nine minutes of ice time. Killed some penalties. What yeah. do you think about Will Lockwood right now? How different do you look at him? From, say, the end of last season. A lot do you different. see a different guy? What do a you see? A lot different. It's He's always had the wheels, but I see a player now who's comfortable enough, decisive enough, that he just looks like he belongs, if that kind of makes sense. He's not a deer caught in the headlights, which is what I kind of felt he was at points last season where sometimes it looked like he wasn't sure where he was supposed to be positionally, when he was maybe supposed to chase a puck, when he was supposed to say, stay in, um, and just kind of hold his ground in a defensive position, making plays on the breakup from the defensive half wall, I, I thought he really, really struggled with that, and he definitely wasn't killing penalties at that time. So I remember last season, and even going into this year when there was talk about him making the team out of camp, I was really down on him. Yeah, I, I was like, I don't think there's any chance of him really making the team out of camp, and he didn't. But credit to him that he hasn't let that deter him because for a player in that position who got his cup of coffee, he sees Lazar brought in. He sees he sees Joshua signed. All these sort of additions. Sheldon Dries is uh, is re-signed. He's he's probably doing the math in his own in his own head and going, man. Well, what does that say about how they view me? Yeah, that's it, a, that's a spot that I should be battling for. And exactly, you're adding to it. That's that's a tough thing. For exactly, a to like. Yeah. It, it would have been so easy for him to look at that and go, well, dang, that's it. Damn, like, I'm not... Buy a house in Abbotsford. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So credit to him for sticking to it, for continuing to evolve, because now when I watch him play, there's a decisiveness to his forechecking routes. And that's helped him because I think the speed of the game, he just wasn't acclimated to in his last goal run. And I don't mean his foot yeah. speed. I mean, just processing-wise. Processing, totally understanding where he needs to be to react to plays, how he needs to support the puck. In every sense of the way, sense of that way, he he looks way more comfortable now. I, I see that so clearly from being ahead of the play in the AHL. Like, that's what he was at. Yeah. He was ahead of the play in the AHL. There was, I mean, there's times where he's not only, like, forechecking, he's, he's just beating guys to pucks in a typical forechecking situation. Plays of breakouts, he's just a step ahead of everyone. Like, you can see it. You can see it with Lane Peterson as well. All year long on the power play, he was a step ahead of everyone. That's why he's up in the NHL. Lockwood, same deal. He was he was a terror in the AHL this season. Just watching him skate around the ice, you could just tell. Uh, there's a couple different questions here. One from Dalvir, or sorry, Commander Vander, uh, and Jarhead as well in here. Both, both kind of asking similar questions. Um, 
Commander Vanner says, I've loved Lockwood's energy and seems to be focusing like Harm is saying. Jarhead says, do you think Lockwood can keep it up or is he just having a bump moving up to the NHL? And that's the thing. It's like he he's always going to get to the NHL and have a ton of energy. But it's like what you said. It, it's the way that the energy hasn't dipped. It's still staying at that level. I'm curious if he can keep that up. It's yeah. going to be difficult. You see, you see a lot of the times like you're watching a game and whether he's throwing a hit or being hit, you're like, well, he's he's taking a big one there. Like he, yeah. he does get himself into situations where he's going to get banged up quite a bit and banged up to one th- one thing, injured's another. So it'll be interesting to see how that happens with Will Lockwood. I, I think back to, I think it was one of the final preseason games at home where he was out for a shift and you know takes a hit against you know a lot of NHL players. And I was thinking like, man, this is going to happen to him a lot this year, and it, and it has. It's it hasn't stopped. It's it's his just willingness to sacrifice the body to try and make a play. Not every player has that, right? Like not every player is going to go in as hard as Will Lockwood does. I think that's just like his nature and it's going to be difficult to to play 82 games like that every year. But in the role that he's currently in, like I can see him having success for a while here. And, and listen, when Pearson comes back, what do you do at that point with Will Lockwood? It's going to be interesting to see what happens because I think Pearson's higher than Lockwood in the depth yeah. chart, and no matter how well Lockwood plays, I don't think he's going to be at the point in Bruce Boudreaux's mind to be above him in the depth charts. Anyway, it's going to be difficult for him. Yeah, I I know some speaking to his playing style. I know some in the organization. I think maybe around a year or two ago, when they were when they'd watch Lockwood as a prospect, even going back to his days at uh, at Michigan, they had concerns about the sustainability of his almost reckless style and the way that he was always 150%, especially with that slighter sort of um, sort of frame after he'd also had some of those uh, shoulder injuries. So I do think there's a legitimate question mark as to whether, okay, he has this unbelievable energy. Can he keep it up over the course of a full season? And you also have to kind of keep in mind that he is at a point now where when a guy gets first called up, there's so much adrenaline going for sure that you do wonder if, for example, over the next road trip, they're going to be going through the East and it's going to be a, a physical sort of grind. Can he keep that up over the duration of the season? Because you do, you, you do sometimes see examples of, uh, of players that when they initially get called up for the first handful of games are great. And then there's a drop off in their play. I do think that mentally there is, more focus, more purpose, more comfortability. So that will help him. But I'm not sure yet in terms of whether he can keep it up or we're just going to, you know, going to have to wait and, and see. And um, I'm op- optimistic and hopeful. But the other thing I wanted to mention was a little bit unrelated to Lockwood. You mentioned Pearson's been out. I don't think, has anyone missed Tanner Pearson? Yeah, I almost forgot could. that he hasn't, that no. he hasn't been playing. Yeah, I know, and it's it's wild because I think if he was just having like an average meeting expectations season before he got injured, he'd be missed. But for sure, if he, he was, was playing, playing the so way poorly. he did last season, yeah, we'd be like, okay, they're they're missing some of his two way chops, yeah. the secondary scoring, like, the way that he rounded out top six lines at times, really well, like not not specifically a top line, but you know, the, the I guess middle like six, Miller, like, like Miller, Besser, Pearson was, yeah, it was going off this time exactly. last year. Or even, you know, taking it back a couple of years, the Horvat Huglander Pearson yeah. line, like there was he the way that Pearson played worked really well there. It's just the penalties this year and everything, yeah, it's been a big drop off. Um I want to get to this as well. We're trying to stick positive, but um Connor Garland was the low man for five on five ice time. Uh Commander Vander's question for you, Harm. 
Is Garland a negative value asset right now? Or maybe I'll let you speak on Garland a little bit too, because it feels like, like, is he at the end of the bench for Bruce Boudreaux right now? Last well, night would say, yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, I mean 704 at uh at five on five, the second lowest Canuck uh player was Sheldon Dries at eight oh six at five on five and he also only played uh, twelve minutes the uh, the other night against uh, the Islanders, twelve thirteen to be exact. He was also, I just think, to be totally honest with you, and he's getting like power play time as well, right? Like yeah. that's adding into that. Yeah, you know, not I a think lot of five on five time. Totally, to to be totally honest, I just don't think Boudreaux's a fan. Hmm. I've never gotten that vibe. The first time I sort of got that impression was when Boudreaux kind of first took over last season. I remember being on the road. I think it was maybe the New York road trip. And Boudreaux was speaking about Pedersen. And this is when Pedersen was just starting to to really start rolling in the second half. And he was speaking sort of praises about Pedersen. And Boudreaux went, well, he's, well, Pedersen's also not like Matthews where he's got Marner on his wing. Right. And it's like he was playing with Garland at the time, and Garland was actually <laughs> playing pretty well. It wasn't like this season, right? He was, um, he was right around the team, leading five and five points. And initially, I was like, "Ooh, that's." Uh, I mean, it's true, right? Like Garland obviously isn't an elite player, but at five on five, he was still driving the bus, and they were clicking well. And so I was like, "If that's Boudreaux's, like you, you rarely sort of see a coach sort of, you know, it wasn't an indirect shot, but I was like, okay, like I, I took note of that. I was like, okay, that's interesting, yeah, sure. and then." He was the first sort of notable player scratched, right? Like we've seen a number, right. like you know, Besser's been scratched, and other guys have been through that. But Garland was the first one, and it felt odd that he was picked out, considering considering pretty all that early into it too. He hadn't been scored on, yeah, He'd barely been scored on. So he was kind of an odd pick there. So I don't know whether it's the size, I don't know whether it's something else, but doesn't really seem he's always referred to. That's the other thing, Boudreaux's even last season again. 
he's always referred to Garland as a little guy. Yeah. You know, as, as like, and it, again, there's this truth to it, but it's, he, he almost kind of the vibe I used to get last year was like, Oh, from Boudreaux was, Oh, he's the, he's the little engine that could. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, I don't think, uh, Boudreaux sort of, had the highest sort of um, perception of Garland last season, initially taking over. Like, I don't think he viewed him as, oh, this is a surefire top six stud. And obviously with Garland's struggles for most of this season, I think that perception has only kind of been lowered and we're we're seeing it in uh, in his deployment recently. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing him in roles of being a top six player quite a bit, but not of late. Last 30 games, he's only got three goals. In yeah. his last 30 games, and he's getting time on the power play. He's getting opportunity with top players. It's not like it's a night tonight. He's always in the top six, but I'd say a majority of the time he's been using at least a top nine role. I've never seen him like he's never lined up on a fourth line. There's been minutes where he looks like a fourth line player throughout the season, but yeah, it's an interesting thing to see moving forward. And I wonder if he's, um, you know, he was traded for by the Benning regime. Is he much of an Al? Is Alvin a huge fan? I don't know. I don't. I don't think management's huge on Garland either. But I also don't think that they wanted to. I, I don't think in the offs. Let me put it this way: If there was a trade that they that management looked at as okay, we're getting decent value back, they would have pulled the trigger. Yeah. But yeah, not they even. Didn't e- want to I don't even know nothing. if they would just say like equal value. Like oh they yeah, would, I no, think just they decent would, value. Yeah. But all right. Yeah, um, they they couldn't. You know, I, I I think they they didn't want to dump him for nothing and decisively lose that trade just to get rid of him. Okay, before we get to your article about uh, about uh, who am I saying Quinn Hughes? Because I just saw a comment from Lisa in there about Quinn Hughes. Uh, handle some business here. Uh, the Montana's daily deals. Montana's barbecue. Get out there. Montana's is back on board. Good Hell stuff yeah. Can, uh, Aaron, you got the photo of Montana's. Me and Harm at uh, at Montana's. You got that photo on here? Should be in there somewhere. I think it was meant for, look. No, there it is. There's oh, Harmon. look at that. Harmon, uh, Harmon myself at uh, Montana's out I look there in shorter. Tawasin. I wonder Yeah, you're taller is. than that, actually. <laughs> you know what I was going to do is swap my face for Quad's face, then put your face over my face, which would have been kind of funny. We'll save that one for next week. Uh, but Montana's, they got the daily deals. They're back. We've been home during the pandemic, and we've lost out on all the good times with friends. Remember good times with friends, Harm. They're happening at Montana's right now. So they're, they're bringing back the viewing party. Head to Montana's where the game is always on and there are daily deals to keep you full. BC locations in Fort St. John. Do you think Fort St. John's in Alberta? I've thought it was in Alberta I've for a long no time. I, I, I have no idea where that is on a map. It's an Alberta than... city in, in BC. Uh, Fort St. John, Kelowna, Langley, Nanaimo, where they got uh, the Stella on tap and you got to be careful in there. Uh, Prince George, Tawasin, and Victoria. Those are the BC locations for Montana. So let's get to uh, Lisa mentioned it in a comment there. She said, Hughes is a little guy. What's the point? Because uh, Bruce Boudreaux seems like Quinn Hughes. A lot of us like Quinn Hughes. No, like I'll be like, I don't think, I think it's uh, your, your little guy. First, you're talking about you're too short in the photo. Now you're talking about <laughs> this little guy's hard. But no, in all seriousness, your article about Quinn Hughes becoming a leader was interesting. And I, I wanted to add something to it, but I'll let you lay the floor uh, for what you wrote about, because I, I love the way that you tied together quotes. You talked to Bo Horvat, Luke Shen, uh, Pat Brisson as well. Am I missing yeah. anyone you talked to? Or that was everyone? Miller as well. Miller as well. That's right. Forgot about him, uh, which is interesting the way his name's been up lately. But t- tell me what you learned from talking to, obviously, Quinn, talking to a lot of people around him uh, about a guy who's, listen, quiet, doesn't really look like he's giving a lot, you know, emotionally on the ice. I mean, like from the, the facial expressions we see the way he's talking with teammates, 
he's not this raw raw guy like you wrote in the article but how are you seeing Quinn Hughes becoming like a leader for this team? And what did you learn in this article? Yeah. Also, one thing I wanted to quickly clarify clarify on, you know, when I referred to uh, to, to Garland there, I don't like Boudreaux isn't, I don't think he's down on Garland just because of his size. Like right. I don't, I, I think it's a lot more than that. I'm just, I'm just saying that the way he referred to him was, you know, I, I thought it was pretty interesting. But, you know, it's interesting. And so the way that Boudreaux always says is uh, that guy's too cute. I think that's what yeah. some of the things he's talking about with Garland. It's too cute. The little spins in the corner, too cute. I think that might yeah. be what yeah. he's sort of implying there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with Hughes, it's it's been interesting. I um, I, I think going into this season, Canucks management talked to him about, we want to see you sort of embrace a, a leadership role. And I think in, in his own mind, Hughes just recognized that, okay, I'm ready. Like, it's time. Because I think coming off of, the sophomore year year he had in 2021 he was pissed off he was really upset and disappointed with himself after that uh, after that year in terms of a def- in terms of his defensive game mm-hmm. once he fixed w- once he felt he worked hard that summer going into last season and and felt he fixed that then it was okay like i've taken care of my defensive side of it and i feel a lot more comfortable about my two way game he looked at it okay i'm going into my fourth year i've got this big contract now he also mentioned, which was crazy to me, that he's the longest tenured defenseman on the team right now. Yeah, interesting. And I think he all of that clicked, and he's like, "All right, this is this is the time for me to kind of step up and be more of a leader." And I think Horvat highlighted that, "Hey, like I, I I've definitely noticed a big difference in terms of how he's speaking up a little bit more, especially even even to veteran guys and pointing out things that he sees." JT Miller said that um, there's going to be times in in this season where Players want to hear a different voice. Mm. And he's like, we're going to need Quint. Like, we need Quint to be that guy because guys listen to him and they have that respect for him. So I think he has been more vocal at times. Again, it hasn't necessarily been the raw, raw, like big locker room speeches that uh, that you might expect. But Luke Shen brought up some really interesting points that he isn't afraid to give sort of feedback anymore in terms of saying like, the example Shen gave was off a D zone, off a D zone face off. It'll be like, all right, if we get the puck this way, I'll jump into into this hole. I think we can execute this play, mm. and and let's run it this way, right? Like kind of direct directing traffic, kind of being the quarterback on the ice um, in the offensive zone too. Shen said um, in one of the recent games that he that he took a shot that didn't really result in any, anything, and, and he was like, hey, like in that spot, I want you. Like just just give the puck to me. Like I I can make a play here, and it's like, and it's a back and forth. It's not Quinn sort of like demanding that things be done his way, but he's he's speaking up and he's giving that feedback. Whereas Shen was like earlier, he didn't do that because right. he wasn't confident enough to tell the veterans that hey, like let's let's try things this way or or let's let's try things that way. So he's leading in that sense, and I also think that um, one thing Horvat brought up, which was really interesting, is if for as much as I think there's a stereotype of a leader being loud and abrasive and big speeches. Um, at the end of the day, Horvat said, and having talked to a lot of guys, that that stuff just gets a little exhausting when it happens all the time, that guys respond way better to players who are just leading by example. I mean, even Kevin BX in a recent article um, written by my colleague uh, Eric Stevens at The Athletic talking about Alex Edler hitting 1,000 games, BX has said... The best leaders don't even know 
that they're leaders, if that makes sense. It's just that they hold themselves to such a high standard and they're pushing themselves in that way. And I think Hughes has worked hard in order to push himself as a professional. And it's hard. Like it's Mm -hmm. the whole idea of leading by example is a lot easier said than done because when you're an NHL team, and especially when you have the type type of taxing travel schedule that, that the Canucks have, you're going to have nights where you land at 1 a.m., you're in bed at 3 a.m., you have an 11, 11.30 a.m. practice, you're off little sleep, um, the team's losing in, in, in a funk, and guys are just down. Like, that's normal on any team, right? And in that sort of environment, it could be easy for a player as talented as Quinn Hughes to sort of be able to just coast through the practice. And that's what a lot of guys around the league will do, you know, mailing the odd practice. Right. And I think as a leader now for Hughes, and even as Pedersen grows into this, it's like understanding that as one of the best players on the team, you have a unique weight and authority to where if you push yourself through that mental grind, you have that responsibility to where if other guys on the team see you pushing that hard, they're going to be like, like, damn, like I can't, like I, I got to match that. Right. Like it's embarrassing if I don't, if, if the best player on the team who doesn't have to put in this work is putting in this work, it's an embarrassment. I'm letting him down. If I'm not working my absolute bag off, as opposed to if, if a guy is just down or he's just coasting through it, nothing special, not saying a guy sulking, it's easy for, for another teammate to, to be like, all right, like I can, I can take it easy too. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I heard a quote the other day of like it takes takes a group to be able to bring everyone up together, but it only takes one person to bring a group down. And that was an interesting quote hearing that. But it, you know, to a similar degree of what you said of the hardest players working the hardest, like I look at it as like, hey, Curtis Lazar is going to work hard in practice. Kyle Burr is going to work hard in practice. But those guys aren't the guys that are breaking through the wall of having the team follow through. They are like they're yeah. setting a standard. They're pushing on the wall. But guys like Pedersen and Hughes, and when those guys are working in practice, they're breaking through the wall that everyone's going through. Well, it's also just like, I'll, I'll be honest, like in a team environment, you want guys like Lazar and Burrows around who are positive for forces and work hard yep. and don't complain or and are low maintenance. But at the end of the day, they're like their fourth line, third pair, extra defender type of guys. They're not core guys. They're not got like. They're like those guys are expected. Their role is to be those like energetic, sort of always positive, sort of like Brad Hunt role type guys. Um, it's the top players that have the weight and um, the responsibility and 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 have that and and had just have that star power to where it's like um, guys have to respect them if they're working if they're pushing that hard. It's like you like. Those are the guys that can single-handedly sort of like, not single-handedly, but those are the guys that can really move the needle in terms of helping change the culture of a team um, with their sort of work ethic, with their professionalism, with what they demand. And they're able to hold um, guys accountable. You know, a guy like Kyle Burrows, for as great as he is, and I love the guy, he's not going to be able to hold, he's not going to be able to hold, like, let's say like, you know, I I don't want to pick out specific games, but if uh, players, but if there's, um, you know, uh, a top player who's not pulling his weight, like if, if a guy like Kyle Burrows comes up to him and, and or, or doesn't even say anything, but just like is pushing him hard. It's just like the guy's going to be like, who are you? You're a seventh defenseman. Right. Like leave me alone. Yeah. No, I think what you're kind of like hinting at is like the, the top players are going to set the standard that needs to be met. Yeah. Right. And then those guys around them are going to exceed the standard, which maybe, you know, raises up kind of everyone yeah. together, but those main guys, the real leaders, that's they're going to set the bar, and you got to be above that bar. 
If you right. don't have it at the top, you're not going to have it on your team as a whole. Yeah. Another thing I found interesting in the article, and I, I, this is what I wanted to add to it, was you brought up a couple things of like Quinn Hughes taking Niels Huglander under his wing on the road, Pod Colson taking, you know, I, I remember the story about them going to the movies together. I think Pod Colson talked about seeing Dune and he didn't understand yeah. anything, but uh, Hughes was the same way. He didn't understand the movie either, but... I, I I saw leadership quality last year at the end of season media availability from Quinn Hughes when there was some I think questionable uh, questions thrown towards Brock Besser. Some difficult it was difficult to be in the room. You kind of saw the other players standing up there freeze up quite a bit with some of the questions that Brock didn't wasn't comfortable to answer. Those are some my my ideas pretty ridiculous questions to a couple of them. But Quinn Hughes was the guy who stepped up every time when Brock like couldn't talk. And yeah. that was a very impressive leadership quality that I saw just right there in that moment. Because listen, Pedersen was there, was there with them. I think Demko was maybe the fourth guy, or maybe it was Garland. Anyways, I, I know Pedersen was at the table, but it just felt like Quinn Hughes was the guy who, when he realized that Brock was in trouble, stepped, stepped in, in and you know picked up a teammate in a moment that was obviously extremely hard for Brock uh, to deal with. Looking back at that time, and that initially to me was like that's that's what a leader does, and this isn't just hockey. Right, this is just like leadership in general. Quinn stepped up for his guy in that moment, and that was huge to me. That was one of the biggest examples of leadership that I've seen in years with this Canucks team. Was what Quinn Hughes did that day on the podium. That was huge to me. I've always thought about that, uh, and when the thought of like captaincy gets thrown around, this is why I bring up Quinn Hughes as a potential guy because I think Quinn Hughes could be the guy who is like it's going to be hard for Pedersen to be the captain in Vancouver. Because it's going to be day-to-day-to-day, Vancouver market, Canadian market, it's difficult. It's difficult day-to-day if, like, you're not comfortable as much with the media. I think Quinn Hughes, like, could seriously be the option of the day-to-day guy who's going to speak about this team in the future anyways. That's interesting. I haven't thought about it from that perspective in terms of captaincy. But... that's a th- Yeah, because everyone talks about the captaincy. No, the way that we're seeing it more, the more that I see it as media is... Like when we're there and they're like, who do you want to talk to? And we're like, well, I don't like it was nobody played well. I guess we'll talk to the captain. When I think of that way, like I don't want it to be like the Canucks sucked again tonight. Let's talk to Pedersen for the fifth night this week. With Hughes, oh, I'd feel comfortable. That. Like the fifth night this week where Quinn Hughes is going to have to deal. Like that's a tough thing to do. Like I'm not saying this is easy. I, I just think that Hughes would be a guy who I could see being a potential captain of this team. When you look at who might be here three, four years down the road, I, I look at Hughes as potentially the number one guy. Yeah, I also think that in general, that responsibility of sort of like fielding our dumb questions after after <laughs> that's a what loss. I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. It's it's a lot easier um, said than done in terms of like it sounds simple. I'll just answer questions after uh, you know after games. But considering the pain that that's happened, I mean, there are a lot of difficult questions that are that are hurled at you. I mean, imagine every sort of um you know every second day you're doing your job you're performing to the apex of your ability like Corbett has been this season and constantly you're just being asked about the team's team being directionless um asked about the team underperforming about another blown lead about why can't yeah. you defend well, and it's, it's just, just you're taking you're absorbing all the punches yeah and you're taking it on the chin for the rest of your teammates. I, I look at it as like how many times we heard Bo Horvat say like I'm out of answers. Like he's exhausted, and like that's what I think of when I think of the captain, Quinn Hughes. I feel like would be in a better situation when he's out of answers than Elias Pettersson would be. That's why I think Quinn Hughes is the situation because these this is where I think of the tough situation. Listen, if the team's rolling and they're a playoff team, Pettersson would be a good captain. 
But I think in the tough moments, I, I think it would be a little bit more difficult for him, and that's where I would lean towards Quinn Hughes a little bit more. Yeah, it's going to be in either case. I th- I I think you you give it time and you yeah, wait to see who kind of tough. emerges. Yeah, it's not next year thing. Yeah, no. exactly. But it is it is important that these guys take the step because Horvat mentioned it too. There's been a vacuum of uh, a bit of a vacuum for leadership because of how over the last couple seasons we've seen Edler leave, we've seen Tanev leave, we've seen Markstrom leave, um, Toffoli, Sutter even. Sutter was really important. I, I don't think people um, understand either. the team the, all year last year too. Yeah, like he was really valued in that in that locker room. So there's been a number of key veteran voices that uh, that departed. Obviously, a couple coming back in, and um, Luke Shen being a great example. But um, that's where I think the teams needed Hughes to take that take that step, and it's been good to see him embark on that. There's absolutely progression uh, in the way we've seen with that. Uh, we're already running over the top here. I hope Aaron's okay. We're going to run a little bit late here because we'll skip the the talk about the AHL team. Because I know you don't want to do that anyways. I'll, I'll handle that. Yeah, Big games this you. weekend, though. I'm driving out to Abbotsford tonight uh, and tomorrow against the Hender- there's Henderson Silver Knights. But let's touch on the World Juniors, obviously. Canada with the overtime win last night against Czechia uh, with Dylan Gunther scoring two goals, including the overtime winner. Canucks prospect Dylan Gunther. Oh, my APAP. <laughs> oh, man. My apophysis is obviously that the Canucks traded away that first-round pick that was used to select Gunther in the 2021 draft. Did it sting a bit to you to see Gunther score that goal in overtime, score uh, a goal earlier in the game? Did it sting a little bit? I don't know if it stung because it's it's already kind of like, because he was drafted with a pick Vancouver had, he's already destined to be a great player. True. Yeah, <laughs> like true. I've already kind of accepted. I'm like, oh, okay. Like going into this world junior championships, I was like, he's going to be really good for them. I don't know if I expected him to be the goal. Um, you know, score score the golden goal, and and you know maybe that's twisting the knife in a little bit. Captain Canada now, uh, but it was predictable, and, and right? People that were like, oh, like it's not the you know he wasn't the Canucks pick, anyways. I tell you, you're always gonna look back. That was the Vancouver Canucks pick that was used to get him. So that's the I way think I they would have taken him as well because I there was so a drop off in yeah. the level of prospects after Gunther. There was like a second tier of guys, and Gunther was the last guy there. And I think the Canucks were they weren't really. Um, they were going to pick the last guy out of that second tier of prospects and Gunther would have been that guy. Yeah, I think so too. And it'll be, uh, yeah, a lot of fun to follow him up uh, for the rest of the season as well. A lot of fun. Oh man, it'll be a <laughs> lot of years. Uh, let's pull up because I made a beautiful graphic for this. So I want to get it in here too. The Canucks two Swedes, uh, with LeCaramacchi and Patterson at the world juniors. LeCaramacchi, look at that. I built this myself. Oh, nice. That Elias, looks sick. Look at Elias Patterson there. Uh, so Jonathan Karamaki, he had four points in seven games. There was some good. There was some bad. I, I wrote down so many things. So I'll go. These are the good things I saw. Listen, the goal in the opener was nice. The back check and the assist to set up the overtime winning goal against Czechia. That was a great little shift. There was some extremely like really tight and, and kind of new age offense moves that you saw in the offensive zone of him looking really smart at times, but like the assist to Philip Bysad against the USA was a really good example, but a lot of the time, to me, like the bad was just like the effort level overall was still lacking on most shifts. He was absolutely invisible in the bumper position on the power play, and one thing I really wanted to see him do at this tournament was build some confidence for the second half of the season. I don't think he did that. He was the extra forward in one of these games. That's difficult. I don't think he built confidence in this tournament. What Do you have anything to add on the Karamaki there? Yeah, I, I sort of agree in in the idea that this wasn't 
the confidence building tournament you would have hoped for. The production doesn't look bad on paper, but bad. Uh, watching him through those games, I don't know if he built the sort of consistency that he would have uh, wanted, especially at uh, at even strength. And we need to see him have a strong second half. Otherwise, you know, you don't. You're obviously not going to be hitting the alarm bells or anything after this season if he continues struggling. But um, I think you his stock would definitely be trending down if he's not able to pick up some steam in the in the second half. The opposite of trending down is not trending up. It's actually Elias Pettersson, DP. Oh, he is trending up after this. That's a bar. This. Uh, he was excellent in this tournament. 18-year-old kid, big, strong, active stick. His retrievals were, were incredible. He was one of the best, I think, at just watching, not only on Sweden, but like in most of the games I watched, his... His intelligence with retrievals and kind of awareness of of the space around him for those was really good to see. I, I thought he could break out the puck with skating and passing at the time. He was the number one penalty killing defenseman for Sweden. Uh, most penalty, most shorthanded time on ice of all the defensemen in the tournament. He should, you know, after what he just did, he should be a top four guy in this tournament next year for Sweden. If not, maybe a top pairing with ASP. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with DPD. Anything you wanted to add? I just feel bad for the kid because I imagine I can't even imagine how many dumb haha Elias Pettersson yeah. jo- jokes he's Dude, got. The whole broadcast, every time he touched the puck, <laughs> they'd be like, eh, "But not the Elias Pettersson from the Vancouver Canucks." Like, it was just imagine it's like you living see it every through time. that. You're like you're you're like Jesus. Am I not my own person? Oh, I know it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. So uh, I mean, really, it, it wasn't just this tournament that his have his you know had his stock rise in my eyes it's been all season long and yeah. i've talked about him a lot on this show everybody who watches this every day knows or listens to this on podcast he's been good in the shl he was really good up to this tournament and just raised his value from there so um let's wrap things up with a little betway bet of the day i screwed up my bet this morning so i had two different ones go my video that went out this morning was about patrick kane he's not going to play tonight so instead look at this harm over to the AHL for oh some my AHL goodness. hockey I didn't even betting, know baby. this was possible. A lot of people didn't. Uh, the Abbots- <laughs> Tonight, um, uh, we got Abbotsford Canucks to win and the under of 5.5 total goals being scored in this game, plus 350 odds. So $10 bet. That'll return you 45 if this hits. Here's a little stat for you, Harm. The Abbotsford Canucks have played the Henderson Silver Knights four times this season. How many times do you think there's been under 5.5 goals in those four games? Four. All four of them. Nice job. I do that to quads all the time when he has to guess, and he's never close. Well, yes. it's obvious because I'm like, it has to be extreme if you're asking me the question. <laughs> all four of those games have gone, uh, have been under 5.5 total goals in the game. So we're rocking with that. Abbotsford's been hot, so we'll go with that one. Uh, and then, hey, if that bet doesn't hit, 4-2. That'll be the score. Plus 2200 on that. $10 bet will return you 230 230 bucks. That'll get you a turtleneck and chain. Uh, that's a good little combo you can wear out in public. You can wear it uh, to fancy dinners as well. Hell yeah. But very comfortable at the same time. All right. We'll wrap things up there, Harm. Another good Friday here. We've gone. Uh, maybe we got to change Fridays to an hour. But the boss is a nation network. They wouldn't want that because I feel like we didn't. We missed a whole thing on the ticker there. <laughs> the farm just got skipped right <laughs> over. It felt, felt like the HL team was back in Utica the way we skipped over it there and didn't care. But uh, it felt like the prospect pipeline was empty the way we skipped over Oh, yeah. The farm didn't get talked about. Hey, we spent some time in the world. Junior. We did. We did. All right. Well, uh, we'll wrap things up there. Thank you to uh, producer Aaron filling in this week. I believe 
Alex will be back next week. We'll have to see. But I know, uh, Aaron, you're getting some praise in the in the YouTube chat as well, uh, especially for that Blues Clues thing from last week. So uh, we'll wrap things up. Uh, appreciate uh, you stopping by again, Harm. Any closing remarks you want to get out of here with on a Friday? Anything you want to uh, fire at quads? Nothing? Just uh, Just enjoy the weekend. Perfect. Enjoy the weekend. I tell you, the weekend that I know you enjoyed, you were down there at that concert. Oh, yeah. All I could hear is on my windows <laughs> Dude, for like crazy oh, for like eight hours every day. Those EDM. Uh, okay, so I don't listen to EDM music much. I just wanted to go because my friends are going. And because one of my friends was uh, was opening, which was really cool to see, you know, one of your friends playing at the, at the yes. festival on the main stage. But aside from so like I was familiar with my you know friends music, obviously, but after when it came to the other artists, it was like there'd be some like catchy um, chorus from a song you'd know. Right. And then you'd be like, all right, like singing along or whatever. And then just like interjected by the most aggressive, like in your face, punk rock type EDM hmm. bass blast. It, I was like, this is, <laughs> I'm not used to this. No, I was going to say, it doesn't it was, sound uh, like your, uh, your type of thing, but you had a good time. Though, I enjoyed it like, regardless. Yeah. It was, uh, it was an absolute blast. That's awesome. Man. No, I could, uh, yeah, I could certainly hear it uh, bumping out there. The bass was always, I still say one of the loudest concerts we heard down here was uh, Swedish house mafia. Just cause oh, that was at Rogers Arena. That was nuts. And people, Nobody caught the word of the day in the chat today, but uh, somebody's asking about it. The word of the day was apophysis, which I said uh, at one point during the uh, when the Canucks didn't draft or weren't able to draft Dylan Gunther. It was the raising of an issue by not claiming by claiming not to mention it. So that's what I kind of did there with Dylan. I feel like I used it correctly today, so people missed it. No quads is broad in the chat here to let us know uh, that I missed it. That's you know that that's uh, quads' girlfriend's name in the in the YouTube chat. What is it? Quads is broad. <laughs> I don't know what's going on over there. Quads will be back on Monday. Harm will be back here next Friday. I uh, appreciate you stopping by again, Harm, uh, and we'll be back next Friday. Like I said, with you, uh, Harm on Friday. Brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. That wraps it up for us here. Everybody have a great weekend. Uh, we'll see you back on Monday. Back to five shows a week next week. Super excited for that. Uh, thanks to everyone in the YouTube chat. Thanks to everyone who listened on podcasts. That does it for us here at the Canucks Conversation. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? <laughs>